You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Hi everyone, welcome to Riverview Church. Uh, my name's Andrew and I'm one of the leaders here and it's great that you could join us today. Um, I hope you've had a, a great time of worship in your houses, glorifying God uh, and giving him all the honour. He's the reason that we're meeting this morning and he's the purpose and the drive and the fire in our hearts. And uh, we give you all the glory this morning, Jesus. I'm just going to pray uh, before I start, just while you're um, busy getting your coffee and pot running around, doing whatever you're doing, getting comfy. Um, so I'll just pray now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come into this message, Lord, that you would land these words where they need to land, Lord, that you would convict where conviction is needed, that you would encourage where encouragement is needed, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We believe in you, Jesus. You are the Holy One, the Lord of Lords, and we give you all the glory this morning. I just pray you would bless our time now as we meet together, Lord, and I just pray that you would bless uh, these words that you've given me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to start out by going straight into scripture. So if you want to join me in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So uh, when we think about the church, what do we think of? We all have uh, all these different ideas and opinions of what it should be like, and we all have values that we want to see being run, be it being run by or operated by. And we've got these ingrained uh, preconceptions, some biblical-based ones, and some based on long-standing traditions, uh, and some that are based on nostalgic experiences that we entertain just because it, it serves us to do so. 
We have ideas about leadership, about authority, about structure, and most of us want to see it outworked in a certain way, uh, but not necessarily by us. Um, and quite a lot of us have actually been hurt in the past in some way by things or people involved with church. So we might have reservations about how much we're willing to give or how much we're willing to open up or how much we're willing to trust. And while these negative experiences are, are real uh, and they might be quite valid, if they go unhealed or unchallenged, we can adopt negative attitudes and bitterness. Attitudes like, if I just focus on my own relationship with Jesus and forget about everything else and everyone else, then everything will be fine. Or I, I just don't trust church anymore. I don't trust people. Or maybe we just feel like we're actually on some sort of special mission of our own, just me and the Lord, and we don't need to answer to anyone or any church. We have all this baggage and we bring all this baggage, many different experiences, hurts, ideas and journeys. And for me, a number of years ago, I became really disillusioned with church, or well, more accurately, I, I became disillusioned with what I thought church was at the time. And uh, I'd seen Christians hurting each other, and I, I just didn't want anything to do with it. And I could see how I could see how people could make church work, um, but it seemed almost impossible with them there as well, at the same time. If you know what I mean, I, I, I formed these ideas of how I thought God wanted it to be, um, but I thought that it lacked the guidance to be. And so I just decided that I would go to church, uh, but I wouldn't be that involved. I'd just be a spectator and I would focus on my walk with Jesus. So long as my spiritual walk was going okay, um, then that was fine. And even as I say this and, and I wrote this, I can, I can hear the self-centeredness of it spilling out and it's, it's gross to me now. Um, that I th what I thought at the time was some kind of uh, righteous enlightenment uh, turned out to be just basic selfishness, all about me. And as I went along to a new church family, someone started to call me out on this. And someone started to preach directly to me and challenge me. And it started to take in small cuts at what was like a tumour. And it was, it was really hurting and it, it was cutting away at the hurt. But it was healing me over years. And I knew this teaching was uh, was Jesus intervening in my life, but at the time I completely detested it. I remember being so angry because the the messages kept cutting me where it hurt. And uh, but I knew that the preaching was right and that the ideas that I'd formed were were wrong. Eventually, I, I came to the conclusion that the church is important. Um, I conceded that first, and then that the church is the body of Christ. And then the revelation that I can't escape being part of it. If I'm a believer, I am it. Um, even if I'm not going to a church. Um, and then the revelation that in loving the church and the people, I'm loving Christ too. And I realise that there are a lot of people in this position. Um, for me, God has had to spend years challenging and convicting and convincing me that he cares about the church and that I am part of it. Thank goodness for his grace. And uh, I mean, I'm sure I can hear uh, a few amens echoing out around the town to that. Uh, thank goodness for your grace, Lord.
1 Corinthians is relevant to this, and Paul speaks into the core of these issues that are that are really still relevant to us now, because the Corinthian church had grown mainly from uh, converted Gentiles who were immoral, independent-minded, idolatrous, and who had all kinds of problems with authority, with unity, and with self-righteousness. And all of those things are very much still with us. The first thing I want to establish today is that Christ loves the church. Um, it's his plan. He builds it and he directs it. And yes, it's very likely that we're going to continue to fail as people, to fail each other. But he's the one at the helm. He is the head. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. He gave himself for the church. Yes, he gave us himself for us as individuals, but he gave himself for us as a church collectively. And he loves the church because the church is us. Ephesians 5 says, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And the reason that I brought this verse up is to get us thinking about how much he loves the church. If we think about the love between husband and wife, it's one of the most powerful bonds we know as people, and we can all recognize that. But Paul is saying you can do better than that if you follow Christ's example of how he loves the church. That how we should model how we love our spouses with the example of how Jesus gave himself up for the church. This is telling husbands that we should give ourselves up for, for our wives, that we should love them with such deep, outrageous love that we'd give ourselves up for the other's sake as Christ has given himself up for the church. And this is an extreme model of being willing to lose all of ourselves for the other's sake. That's extreme love. And Christ loves the church like this. Because what he did for you, he has done for the church and for us all. In the same way that he left his heavenly throne just for you and for me to go through all that turmoil and pain for our freedom, he also did that for us as a whole to make us into the body, the royal priesthood. He really loves the church. It is his body. When we have even the smallest revelation of this grace, of the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made for us individually, of the love that was poured out for us, it's also the example of Christ's outrageous love for his church. That is love. He really loves the church. And he loves it because it's you. It's, we're all connected and we're all useful. The church is all connected through him. There's lots of different imagery in the Bible, and I, I don't have time to go into it all in detail. Um, but in Corinthians, the church is described as his body, that we are all parts of the body, all connected and working as one. In 1 Peter, it's described as a spiritual house with us being living stones. And in John 15, Jesus describes himself as being the vine and we are the branches. The whole point of these comparisons to things that we can picture and relate to is to show us two main things. And the first is that in Corinthians, it says that he is the head of the body. In 1 Peter, he is the cornerstone. And in John, he is the vine. He is the foundation, the most important. He has the supremacy. And the second thing is that we're integral components 
of his spiritual composition. You're important to the structure. But don't get me wrong here, you're not essential. He could find other stones to do the job, but he wants you. He has chosen you. He wants you to be part of his masterpiece. Paul describes you as part of the body to show that you have specific purpose in the body. Hands and feet do different things. Eyes and ears are essential to our senses. It seems pretty simple to, for us to get a hold of, but uh, I think that we, we forget this. And um, it's because often we look at the attributes of other people and, and we think we don't have those attributes. So for that reason, we don't belong. Rather than grasping and, and being empowered by the fact that he's created and joined us as different unique parts which make up this body. The church is his body. If you're a believer, you are part of his body. You are part of the church. There are times where we might be thinking that we'd rather just be without this and, um, and not be part of the church and just focus on our own relationship with Jesus. But that's like saying that I'm not going to be a hand anymore or that you're going to continue to be a hand, but you'd rather not be connected to an arm. And unfortunately, that just doesn't work with this analogy. Uh, I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure that when you cut off somebody's hand, it doesn't work the same way that it used to without the rest of the body. <clears throat> I mean, if you do that, you're just going to end up being a, a limp, useless lump of meat. And that's what you'll become if you cut yourself off from the body. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a programme called uh, SAS Who Dares Wins, but it's a show where members of the public can try and go through a, a mock example of the selection process for SAS training. And it's a gruelling mental and physical process and, and most of the guys and girls that go on it don't make it. And it sometimes surprises you who doesn't make the cut because often they're really extremely physically fit and strong, but the trainers are looking for specific qualities as well as physical and mental strength. These guys who, who train them, are they're all ex-SAS, and they're, they often describe these serious, uh, difficult combat missions that they have been on, and that when you're on and in these difficult situations, you need to know that the team that you're with, that you've all got the same mission, and you have to know that the other guys and girls on the team have got your back. You can't have somebody on the team who has their own separate personal mission or who won't support the mission of the, of the team as a whole. It's completely counterproductive and dangerous. And as I described earlier, when we've been hurt in the past, we can foster these bad attitudes and become really bitter. And you might be in this position right now, maybe you feel like you've got a special mission of your own and you don't need to come under any authority or accountability because it inhibits your special mission. And I'm here to say today that that's not freedom, that's rebellion. It's not just rebellious against the church, it's rebellion against God. None of us really love accountability. It's hard, but by our selfish nature, most of us want to do things our own way. And if you're rebelling against the church, you're rebelling against the very body of Christ. In the early church, though they had these disagreements, the apostles uh, pioneered the church by the power of the Spirit, and were accountable to each other. They held each other accountable. Paul might appear to be out on his own a lot, um, on missions and, and kind of branching out on his own, but he didn't just go out, he was sent out. 
under the authority and accountability of the church. And the most important thing about that is that he was also under the provision of the church. Churches were sending him funds to further his mission trips. He wasn't a renegade or a lone ranger. In Acts, we see times where tough decisions had to be made and the apostles would come together and had to reason it out and to listen to the spirit and to lay down the path for the way forward under the guidance of God. Are we on board with the way that God desires to build his kingdom like this? Because if we're not, we're just trying to build our own kingdom. There's only one special mission here. We've got one mission and it's set out from God himself. Our mission is to care for each other in love as we grow in continued personal relationship with him, glorifying God collectively and telling the world of his love to reach the lost with a message of his hope and salvation. We've got a collective mission from God. And we've got an example of how to outwork that in the word. What other authority do we require to, to get on board with that? I know that these things are, are, aren't easy, but I can tell you from my own experience that he can heal hurts. He can turn us around and he can get rid of the rebellious negative attitudes that have crept in and made us bitter. But this is not just about how useful you are to the body, about your unique set of skills, because that could be the source of past hurt for you that you feel used. And if that's the case, you should realize that being part of the body and being connected to the body means that we support you. The rest of the body supports the other parts. That if you're like a super useful hand, you still need an arm to lift you up. And in verse 25, Paul writes, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Or it could have been that you're, you're not living out your own gifting and calling. You've maybe been hurt in a way that means that you, you think you're not useful anymore. And to paraphrase verse 15, maybe you're a foot, but you think only hands are useful. So you think, oh, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. But the point that Paul's making here is that you can't just disconnect yourself because you think that you're not useful. You are connected. We should use our giftings and live in our own calling within the body, not trying to live out someone else's or trying to walk off and disconnect because we don't like the rest of the body anymore. This use of the body as an example of how we are so connected through Christ speaks so well in, into this issue because we know how connected our physical bodies are. I mean, you can feel that little tiny splinter in your hand. Uh, I get a lot of splinters and I tell you, sometimes the smallest ones are the worst, uh, the ones that you can barely see, but you can feel that. Why do they hurt so much? Like a, a metal splinter or a glass. It's really, really tough, but it's, you know, it's a tiny thing in, in what seems like a big hand. Or how much does it hurt when you stand on an, an upturned plug? That's just absolutely awful. Or a piece of Lego, or if you stub your little toe on the bed. And the rest of the body isn't exempt from the pain that you feel, even though it's only happening to part, even though it's only happened to your foot, maybe the rest of the body feels that pain. And there's even a common phenomenon where amputees experience what they call phantom pains in limbs which have been cut off 
even when something's actually cut away from us, uh, we still have something in our brain and our nerves that make us feel connected to it. And that's the same connection of being part of, the, of Christ's body. This is what I feel that we read, um, but don't necessarily put, put fully into practice or let sink in. I think there's a temptation to separate our personal walks with Jesus and church, especially if we've had these negative experiences. Um, there's an idea that we can walk our own walk, but we can also go to church. But you can't go if you're it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I want to assure you as a leader here that when we talk about our church, when we talk about our direction, uh, we're talking about you and we're talking about me. We are the church. Yes, we've got leadership and structure and we try to guide and listen responsibly to the Lord's leading for our fellowship, but you are integral. Uh, it's, not, it's not just leadership and we're just making decisions and everyone else is just along for the ride. You are the church. A.W. Tozer said in the knowledge of the holy, we Christians are the church and whatever we do is what the church is doing. When you go out for coffee, you are the church. When you go shopping, you are the church. When you're at home, you are the church. When you go and play football, you are the church. The best way that we can make an impact on our community for the kingdom is not by pointing to a building or a Sunday morning, but if we the individual parts of the body are empowered with the understanding that we are being the church in whatever we're doing and we're representing Christ as an extension of the body to whoever we encounter. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you're being church in that place and to those people. Our individual transforming walks with him, which are so personal to us, are the same thing that makes us church. They can't be disconnected. As this time through lockdown has proved more than ever, it's not a building, it's not a style of service, it's not even the way we fellowship, it's you. Individually and collectively as a whole. Wherever you go, you represent the church and Christ the head. Every part has a function and every part of the body is important. And love is indispensable. As we've established, Christ loved his body the church so much that he gave himself up for it for you there should be no division in the body but we should have equal concern for each other and Paul goes on to say at the end of the chapter and into the next chapter that love is indispensable above all else Christ's love between us brothers and sisters is the lifeblood of the body everybody knows how important their own blood is in their body and it's the same with love in the church if we don't have Christ's real deep overwhelming love for one another. It's, it's like not having any blood in our physical bodies. Paul goes on to say in chapter 13 that we can possess all kinds of gifts and do all kinds of things, but if we don't have love, we've got nothing. You are an important, integral part of the body of Christ. We're not better or lesser parts. It's not the leadership of the church and you just come along. You are the church right now where you're sitting. We, the people, are the church in this time. Despite our use of language about it, you don't go to it, you are it. Like we all do with all kinds of hurt, God has got to work through these things that we were chatting about earlier. 
so that we can heal and we can forgive. And I found that he started to show me a way through once I realized that I couldn't love him properly without loving the church. I realized that if I love his people, I'm loving him. That when I love Christ, I love his church. And when I love his church, I love him. And he's still teaching me how to do this. It's easier to forgive someone when you start to think about how much Jesus loves them. And it becomes harder to hold on to things that you have against them when you think about them as one of his special children. Someone else who, like us, is still making mistakes, but is being slowly transformed as they are walking with Jesus. Because we always have plenty of grace for ourselves, don't we? For our own mistakes. Forgive the people who've hurt you in the past. Unforgiveness is not holding them back. It's just affecting you. He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We get strength to forgive because of what's been forgiven of us. And we love because we're loved. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He gave himself for his church, for us. And this is important. We're not a club of people who sort of like the same thing, so we all hang out. And it might be perceived like that by, by people sometimes, but it's so much deeper. This is his body. We're all adopted into his family, into the body. The love of the Saviour, Jesus Christ, unites us together in love. Let's be known in this town, not for being a club, but for how much we love each other because of the love that we've been shown. As Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And If you don't already know, he loves you and we love you. You are a unique, exquisite part of the body of Christ. He gifts us all with these different giftings as we walk with him and we're filled with the Spirit. You don't have to try to be every part of the body. Be who you are in him. You are the church. First Peter 2 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Chosen, royal priests, holy, his special possession. A people who have received mercy. What a magnificent truth. Let us live out this truth in our daily lives as we grow in love for one another through Christ's incredible love for us. That we would have all have the same special mission to declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. Let's be the church where we are, united in the body of Christ together. And in this, this morning, if you're living in a place of hurt, if you've got, um, if you feel you're being rebellious or you feel you've been hurt and you need prayer, if you want to, to be prayed for, uh, to help you with forgiveness or to help you with anything that's going on with you, please get in touch. We want to pray with you. Um, and if you want to become a Christian this morning, if you're inquisitive about this Jesus that we talk about, 
uh, please get in touch as well. We'd love to speak to you more about Jesus. We love him and uh, we would love to, to help you to get to know him better. So please use the info on the Facebook site to get in touch with us anytime. Bless you guys.